give all of us gathered here tonight the strength to remember that life is so very fragile. We are all vulnerable. And we will all, at some point in our lives, fall. We will all fall. We must carry this in our hearts. That what we have is special. That it can be taken from us. When it is taken from us, we will be tested. We will be tested to our very souls. We will now all be tested. It is these times, it is this pain, that allows us to look inside ourselves. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Conventional humidifiers can contain harmful bacteria that are released into the air. Somehow I don't think cool. But the Dyson humidifier exposes every drop to ultraviolet cleanse technology, killing bacteria. Rapidly. For hygienic humidification. This morning I woke up with this funny feeling right here in my gut. And it took me some time to put a name on that sucker. I thought I ate some bad, but that wasn't it. Then I realized what it was. Joy. But how could that be out here in the middle of nowhere? No running water. No stuff. In this rickety old house? Out here in the middle of the Texas Plains? Joy? You got your law degree from Harvard. Was that enough for you, Wayne? Nope. Stay in your seat. Professor of Theology. Amazing. You live with your wife Judy in paradise on the beach in Hawaii. Enough. Not even close. Not even close! See, that's the big trick. It's never enough, no matter what you do. So how is it a man can find joy here? I'll tell you. Joy doesn't come from having something or being something. It comes from becoming. Becoming more than you are today. Sir, I've known you, Don, for a very long time now. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I know you've known me for a long time, too, since, since I was young. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm old, I'm not old now, but I'm, I'm very mature for my age. I'd like your permission to marry your daughter, sir. You, you what? You what? Say it again. I, I would like to marry Julie. I love her completely, and I, I'm going to take care of her for the rest of her life. So I, I, I just really like, I'd like your blessing. Ask her to marry me. Now, how old are you? Nineteen. You're only nineteen years old. Yes, sir. Matt, how old's my daughter? Eighteen. She's eighteen. I've got, I've got a job up in Chicago. At a, well, I've already got two promotions. The answer your question is no. The answer to your question is going to be no today. It's going to be no tomorrow. And it'll probably be no until the sun burns out. Is that clear? Listen, sir, we don't actually need your permission. Damn well, do need my no, permission. We actually don't. I already asked her. She already said yes, so... You know, this is really just a courtesy. We're just hoping for your blessing. Let me do you the courtesy. 
telling you that my daughter's answer to you is no. Marry my daughter once. Shame on me. Marry my daughter twice. We won't be fooled again. On your wedding day, black clouds will scream across the sky as the veil between this world and the next is torn asunder. And in that moment, no man, woman, child, or beast will be brutish enough to even entertain the idea of bestowing upon you the slightest semblance of protection. Your death will be the driving beat to which the armies of hell will march. Every rabbit in every hole will bleed from their orifices. Boiling blood will gush to the sky from their nests like so many unholy geysers. And there, facing your immature mortality, you will howl eternally in pain. The fires of my bowels will unearth catastrophic pain that your nerves could not otherwise fathom. And as your life claws desperately to exit your forever forsaken body, you will beg for my mercy. But I will have no mercy for you. No. I will give you nothing but a mirthless laugh. Whoa oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Humor and the Abject Podcast, you bride stripped bare by her bachelors, even, screedlers. This is Staff Only, your guide across the river sticks into the underworld, and also the podcast studio manager here. Today's episode is brought to you by the nasty slaps of a bass guitar, and the humble and nourishing whir of humidifiers. Our guest is Andrea McGinty, a true crime podcast guru. Let's turn it over to your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 47 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. Spring has sprung and it's time to have fun. I'm just kidding. I have no desire to leave my house ever. Woo! Yeah! Uh, This week on the podcast, I have my lovely artist friend, Andrea McGinty, here in the kitchen studio. She's a sculptor, sometimes curator, and the author of God, I Don't Even Know Your Name, a novel that was published by Badlands Unlimited as part of their Aromica series. Uh, it's really good. You should read it. I have a copy. She also has an experimental book called Ah Yes, Bad Things that was published by Soft City just last year. You can catch Andrea's work in a current group exhibition at Essex Flowers, as well as some other upcoming exhibitions that we talk about today on the episode. If you aren't doing so already, follow her on Twitter and Instagram. Her handle is at LifeCreep. That's at L-I-F-E-C-R-E-E-P, at LifeCreep. Thanks, as always, for listening to Humor in the Abject. Here's my conversation with Andrea McGinty. Slap that bass. Come on, slap that Face. Slap the face. <laughs> uh, Andrew McGinty, welcome to Humor in the Abject. How's, how's your week going? It's going good. Hi, Sean. Thank you for having me. Um, it's it's been, Friday, so we're at the end of the week. You've had a full, full week. Sort of, mostly. I My week usually starts Thursday through Sunday or my days off where I'm in the studio, so it's kind of starting my week, but it's been good. A good... So yesterday was your Friday. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. Today is Saturday. Today is Saturday, so I'm ready to party. So so yeah, we're recording this on Friday, the uh, whatever it is. Today's the 23rd, I think. Mm -hmm. So this is going to come out on Sunday, the 25th, but... I'm not going to pretend that we're recording on Sunday. We're recording today, <laughs> and you have an opening tonight at Essex Flowers. Yes. It's a group exhibition called Home Edition. And, uh, yeah, so once this comes out, that show will have been up for the weekend. People mm-hmm. can go on subsequent weekends to see it. Um, and will you tell me what you're putting in the show and uh, a little bit about what that show is about. I understand there's 30 fucking artists. There's in- a lot of artists. <laughs> Even the last list I saw said and more at yeah. the end, so I, I'm not sure how how many more people are being added, but um, I am also not fully sure. So the, the show, 
at Essex Flowers' Home Edition. It's a group show. And I think the premise of it is artists edition. who are making edition. Edition, e-dition. right? Yeah. Not like not edition like, like, like when your my parents put an edition building on like house. a den. And we the... didn't have a wall in the back yeah. of the house for half of a year. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah it rains. It's cold. Um, no, edition. Edition. So I think it's um, mostly work. It's like work dealing with the home or domestic, but it's also people who make. My, my work is unique that's in it, but people who make editions, like people your who make scenes. Is... It's like really different. I thought you meant that you were... <laughs> My work is unique, uh, unique, whereas the rest of the artists who are in the show, it's relatively cliche. It's really, everyone else is a hack, but a my... Shithead. <laughs> shit no, that they're selling things that are people make in addition, so, um, okay. yeah. So What's your piece, though? I am not, so also part of the show is that it's going to be um, at the gallery, and then during NADA, they're doing sort of the same a porch grouping. sale. Yeah, a porch sale, which is sort of similar items, and I'm not exactly sure what grouping of artists that are in the show, so I have two pieces that I dropped off and I'm not sure what or both are going to be there but what if you show up tonight and neither of them are in the show I'll just like stand in the corner quietly I always when I go to I'll like go visit a friend who's in town who has a show that they're hanging up and stuff and sometimes I get that like sneak peek where you get to come by before the show actually opens and you're kind of hanging out and looking at stuff and then uh, when you come back for the show, you're just like, oh, wait, two of their pieces that they brought aren't. I saw they, them, and they now removed, they're not they here. They removed them. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. What did you? What are the pieces that so you So I have a piece that I showed in a recent show that I did in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And we're going to talk about that mm. in a minute. Um, but the piece is a coffee maker, uh, like a running, working coffee maker that sits on the floor. And it has uh, a book on top of it, and I had the book uh, custom printed. So the it's a paperback book, and the custom printed. There's like a photo that stretches across, and so it lays open and sits on top of the coffee maker. And it's a photo of just sort of like a an outtake sort of photo from my phone of like me taking pictures of a still life of a bowl of fruit and there's kind of it's a little shaky what kind of fruit i think there's a banana and i think an orange there's also an onion because it's one of those like the yeah look behind you exactly it's like like, the same (laughs) it's like we're there um and then i have another piece that's from a series that i've been working on that is sort of like a newer uh part of the series but it's i've been making tie-dyed sweatpants that are sort of sewn together by the legs and then these ones are hanging on um a flagpole, but it's like the feather flags like that they have outside of bodegas that say like beer or pizza oh, or okay. you know, like yeah, those yeah. sort of tall, thin ones. Mm-hmm. So it's a very tall, thin sort of with this light curve at the top and then the sweatpants kind of drape on top of that. So the show at Essex Flowers is sort of themed around domesticity and things of the everyday and ideas of home and how does that fit into your larger practice of work? I mean, when I when I saw the list, I don't know everybody that's on it. Um, some of the people I was like, oh, I'm curious to see what they would put in mm-hmm. it. Um, with your work, I kind of thought, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I can understand I, that. It's one of those every once in a while that happens where someone asks you to do a group show and you read the description and you're like, oh, this is exactly like mm-hmm. ex- I see why you asked me. This <laughs> is exactly what I do. Um, yeah, I mean, my work is almost entirely about like the domestic using primarily found objects and um, things found in the home and kind of combining them together. Like almost, they say, a lot of times it's like I'm making work as like a character or is almost sort of like, I guess, an extension of myself or my anxiety, but um, sort of like trying to fix and trying to build like the perfect space, mm. but like taking items and kind of that are supposed to be organizing or nice and like smashing them together. Now, are you are you nervous for that? I mean, anything could happen. <laughs> I already listened to <laughs> It's my new thing. I'm going to ask when people have an opening, um, I'm going to try to like, who knows? give them a lot of anxiety. They, I might get I mean, discovered. Yeah. Anything, well, you could, um, I'm ready end, you could end up at the skate park down the street. Oh, God. I think that's teens. a very small chance. You could get heckled and dunked on I'm by so a bunch of teens. I'm so scared of teens. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Has the, has the Rubio thing contributed to that? I mean, no. I Now I'm in a way where I'm like, this is why I'm scared of teens, because they're cooler than me, clearly. They're the like generation wittier. that are teens right now are far cooler they're so than much cooler. I than I, I am they have like these great like i'm the type of person where i'm They're like fucking funny yeah i know where i'm like the type of person where like a day later i'm like i thought of the perfect response and i really it would have been so cutting if i said this oh, yesterday like in like, the oh, moment shit, I and i done. yeah and then i spend the whole day like being upset about it but <laughs> the teens are just like too rubio like yeah. these perfect cutting amazing responses i think they grew up in such a 
like a one-one rapid-fire real-time kind of yeah. thing. That it's uh, they've developed a type of wit that's really different than I think I had when yeah. I was sixteen years old or something like and that. In response, I think it's interesting. I was talking about this the other day of them being like seeing these kids. It's one of the first. I mean, it's horrifying that we can talk about it in this language, but it's one of the first mass shootings where um, it's at a school. And these kids are of the age where they're really active on social media yeah, and, and they're like really fluent. They with can it. speak for themselves and they can, yeah. yeah. So normally it's like you have kids coming out and there's some person like trying to interview them quickly as they're like yeah. being ushered out. But I mean, it's terrifying. But now it's these kids that are on social media. They can respond to people. Like they're the being people funded are, by George Soros. <laughs> I mean, I've got, got plenty of resources. At their um, <laughs> no, but no, I know. But I'm yeah, not to make light of it, them. but it is yeah. a, it's a... It's an interesting time to see these kids who are like, normally it's like their like response the is so filtered wrong through. school to be fucking with. Basically. Yeah, they're yeah. like filtered through, you know, normally their responses are... Their like conversation is guided by the media or whoever or, or parents, them, but yeah. now it's like these kids directly responding on Twitter and they're like, just like completely quote, brutally tweet owning, dunking everybody everyone. and like fucking up people's ratios and everyone. stuff, which makes yeah. me pretty excited. I mean, not excited because it's a travesty, but again, no, it is a, no. it's an interesting thing. And I think about um, who was I don't know some of the other day, uh, uh, Alex. I won't say which Alex because I don't know if their There's account so is many. private or not. But anyways, they said something like. You know, uh, rest in peace to everyone who gets dunked on by teens. I hope it never happens to me. And it reminded me of, uh, and I think I replied this on uh, the Twitter uh, conversation. And it reminded me of, I was teaching MoMA teens a couple years ago with Andrea Rubla. And something happened where we had done a workshop with a video artist. And all of the, <clears throat> excuse me, all of the videos that we had shot accidentally got wiped. Oh, like somebody God, wiped yeah. the SD Ugh. card and and we were just like, words. oh God, and we had to come back and kind of tell them, you know, and I'm trying to be all positive about it. And Dre's talking about, you know, when she was younger, like they had a fire at her house and she was like, and you know, you kind of create this new beginning out of it or you make yeah. things in response to it. And I was like, yeah, you know, if you lose stuff that's on a computer, you know, maybe that you know, in itself could become an opportunity or something or whatever. And this teen just raised her hand. She was like, Sean, you sound like all lives matter right now. And I was just like, I just got fucking obliterated by this fucking 14 year old. Oh, hard, and I was yeah. just like, um, like, oh, I mean, should, how we move deep on to the, should we move on to the next activity? I was just like, I don't even know if I understand what you mean, but I do. I know. And I, I just, know. I, like, but you I just feel very bad about it. And yeah. all the kids just fucking lost it. And they're just like, oh, just ruined. Yeah. Yeah. They're brutal. They're so, yeah. Um, now, speaking about teens, you don't have kids, but who's Larry? Larry is my beautiful <laughs> son. <laughs> it's sad that so many people, Larry is my cat who yeah. I am obsessed with and I talk about all the time and I post pictures Larry? of. Larry is, I think he's nine now. Okay, so he's, he's still very he's like middle-aged. Yeah, but he's cat. very, he runs around, he's like a, he's like a little kitten, he plays. Um, yeah, it's funny, it's becoming this thing where people have like not met him, but no. Have- I had someone come cat said a friend of mine, Petra, and um, I don't, she lives in San Francisco and she was staying at our house while we were out of town. And, and she turned um, your cat into an app. She did. And she's um, rich now. She's doing great. Well, <laughs> um, no, but she got there to the house and she was like, oh, it's like a celebrity. It's, it's like, Larry. I know him. Yeah, and I was met. like, oh God, I'm that person now who posts so many pictures that people are like, I feel like I'm in the. Does, La- does Larry have uh, now? I don't mean to. Is, what is Larry's pronoun? <laughs> Larry, um, he's a he. He's okay. a guy, a okay. guy's guy. And does Larry have front claws? He does. Yeah, I would never declaw. Okay. Him. Well, I don't know. I'm just asking. I'm not going to judge you about it. I was just curious because sometimes people get a cat and it's already been. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like no, that. he's got full claws and he's ruined is my he a couch. Shit about it. Um. Yeah, he's ruined <laughs> my couch and he. Yeah. Do you have one of those things on the corner where people I don't, put that I have weird? To. At this point, we got just this uh, shitty couch that we got off Craigslist that we just have let it go. But we're like planning on maybe someday getting a nice couch we like. And we're like, how do I just don't know. It's too far. You should turn that into a business like cat distressed furniture Mm. where you are releasing designer couches, (laughs) but they already have been sort of scratched up and maybe just like eight months ago, but it was clean, but pissed on. Oh, yeah. There's like a light There's ammonia like a kind of yeah. scent to it, but only when you pull out like the high. Does your couch have a hide a bed? No, no, no. Those it's a love heavy, scene, right? It's a love scene. <laughs> yeah, we have a small living room. <laughs> That's cool. I guess you don't need that much more. I want, I want to live in a New York apartment where I have one of those big asshole like L shaped wraparound ones. Oh yeah, yeah. But one of those ones that has like lazy boy chairs in it. Oh yeah. And one time in Arizona, we had one that had um. 
you know, like the little, I don't even know what you call it, the console where you put drinks that are oh, sort of yeah, in between yeah. things and it has like a little um, compartment to put remotes and stuff like yes. that in. Oh, yes. Well, it had a cushion above that, like a back cushion that you could flip up and there was a ground line phone in it. <laughs> <laughs> you could run That's living you That's could living. run a yeah you could run a phone cable and you could answer the phone while you were sitting on the couch i mean was, what else do you need it was really? incredible you but we had to it console. was so heavy because it also had it had lazy boys and a hide a bed in it and when we moved out we just threw it over the balcony and it exploded and then we took it apart and it's put like it the, the most college yeah <laughs> your furniture over the balcony. <laughs> oh my god um so speaking of home you're yes. you're living in yeah. queens now yes um seems like you're all about it I like it. What are the advantages and disadvantages of being an artist living where you live now? I mean, I don't know. It's hard. I think being yes, living in know. this city is there's it's hard. We're we're there because it's um, we can afford the rent <laughs> in it. But also the neighborhood I live in is very quiet. It's all families. It's I lived in various parts of Bushwick and I feel like I always found myself directly like in the line, my apartment would be in the line of like a bar to the train. Sure. And so it was just like loud all of the time with drunk people. But our neighborhood's quiet. It's family is. We're a little bit far. Like today, the bus came early and I missed it. And so I had to walk to the train. <laughs> 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 so that's the disadvantage. But I don't know. This city is just um, hard to find space in. My studio's yeah. at our apartment currently, that's which is nice. really nice because I can kind of just work whenever. And How do you do the... How do you do the pivot to like work zone when you're at um, home? I do luckily, you have like a ritual? I don't. I have my my studio is luckily and I have like two separate rooms that are like you have an it's a railroad, so you have an entrance that's just my studio. And oh, wow. I have a door that I can close and I have two sort of nicely sized rooms. So it's kind of like I go like I'm going to the studio. It feels but, like you've gone to a different space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that it's can like be a tough stuff. thing. I've always worried about that. Like I work at home uh-huh, a lot yeah. now, but I... Um, I think I have enough Irish guilt that I just get down to it. But I was really worried that I would just fuck off and watch TV. Yeah. I had the same way. This is the first time I've ever had a home studio, but it's been going pretty well. I feel like I... um it's I'm I was worried about the thing where I'd sit and just like look at my computer but I am I don't know why I thought that because I'm a complete workaholic so yeah, it's more it, well, it that cuts... like I don't do my laundry because <laughs> all I want to do is sit in my studio and I can't make myself leave yeah, which it is the... Cuts the commute out too yes. which is like actually two hours of your work time yeah exactly probably, which is pretty fantastic and for me it's like not you know wanting to stay in the studio late but not wanting to commute home late at night by myself yeah, and yeah. stuff like that I can just be there and my cat there he's a very good studio that's cool man <laughs> um we're both kind of nerds about cooking at home yes and maybe this is a little hokey but um could you tell me a little bit about why that's become something that's important to you i mean it doesn't have to be as an artist why it's important to you yeah. but what what do you get out of it it's something that i think about uh pretty constantly yeah i think about what i'm gonna make a lot yeah i do the same and i do think in some ways not just trying to stretch it i think it does relate to my work and i think why i i was worried about having a studio at home but it's been so productive because so much of my work is about the these ideas of domesticity and take a and, break and put some chicken to marinate in the yeah, fridge or make like chicken stock where you have to boil it all day but really yeah. it's about i do spend <laughs> i love cooking and it, it's sort of like the other thing that i do besides obsessing over art and it's relaxing but it also is like I don't know these things of planning I've lots of anxiety and I feel like when you can plan a meal and think about that all day it's like a good way to channel that where I can like what ingredients do I need and how do I need to start and that sort of but also it's like my work is kind of very much in relation to that where it's sort of like this idea of someone who's like trying to fix and trying to better and sort of in ways that are maybe kind of clunky and awkward, like basically like someone scrolling through and reading headlines and not reading the article and being like, that's the thing I have to do to mm-hmm. make, that's the one thing that'll fix my life and kind <laughs> of like combining all of those. So I feel like, I mean, my work is such an extension of who I am in sort of like an abstracted, exaggerated way, I think. But yeah, it's totally part of that is like being home and obsessing over making a recipe and like it's, allowing myself to take breaks from the studio because I'm like, I have to go to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun to do. Uh, I think the other thing that's enjoyable about it is it's a way to learn uh, process-based things. Yeah. It's a way to learn techniques. Um, 
in a slightly lower stress yeah. kind of thing because you can and ultimately you can just eat it or if you fuck yeah, something up i mean as long as you're not like charring something on yeah, the boil yeah, yeah. you can turn basically anything yeah. into something you else. can like cut off the part you messed up yeah, yeah. or you can and make leftovers about, you can do all kinds yeah, of different things with totally it. and i think that's an interesting thought of yeah it's like about building sort of like a confidence in something where like yeah, yeah. the stakes are incredibly low it's like myself and my boyfriend are going to eat this or we throw it out and we go get like a frozen pizza or something this takes but you can feel very comfortable like learning to cook and learning techniques and trying new recipes and in a way that like in art making sometimes you have a lot of confidence and then sometimes you ever like i i'm constantly going the back and forth of like hating everything i've ever made and then feeling like briefly like i'm a genius so but cooking it's like you can yeah very a, actionably be like i know how to do this there's a nimbleness to it too because you can just look up really quickly what is it oh shit i don't have time like yeah. i don't have time the spice like what is yeah, a yeah. what is a substitute for it and then you can kind of quickly adapt or yeah. you just learn like oh fuck we don't have that thing or i couldn't find it at the grocery store yeah, and yeah, you yeah. figure out different ways to do stuff which is a little bit harder when you're making an artwork because yeah. you kind of understand already uh a type of success and it doesn't feel as liberating to like i'll just try to make something in the kitchen that i literally have no business making mm-hmm. i've never even tried anything like it i don't do the same thing when it comes to making an artwork yeah. or something because i'm a little intimidated by yeah, it yeah yeah yeah. well i found ways in that way it's like also yeah especially i do a lot of work with found objects and i do have a lot of things i'll sort of like compile a lot of um a lot of components but then they all have an idea for something and I need something and I'm like I have to go to the store to get that I'm working on it at nighttime I can't finish working on this piece until I go get it and then there's mm-hmm. sort of like the downtime but I also similarly recently where I haven't really shown them very much but I've started making paintings and uh-huh. it, it functions very much in that way where I'm like it's nice to make these I like them maybe there'll be things that are good it's something I can turn around and do in between when I don't, it, it functions that way, like cooking does for me. Though, I mean, I guess the stakes will become slightly higher if I end up showing them, but um, they what, feel great to make. What's, like something you, what's something you cooked recently that you were very I made, happy with? Oh, wasn't very happy with. I made like a sausage gnocchi. Um, oh, dude, we made a really bunch good. of gnocchi that we oh, have in the freezer right now. Yeah. We made it with sweet potato and oh, butternut good. squash. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, sausage the... gnocchi. How do you get oh, sausage? Oh, no, no, no. Like gnocchi with sausage. Oh, okay. I was like, how <laughs> the fuck did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I made cool. that the other night. Um, that's very good. Um, <laughs> so you and so your boyfriend is uh, the painter, Ben Dowell. Yes. Um, and the two of you, which you, well, you mentioned earlier that you had shown one of the pieces that's going to be in the Essex Flowers thing, you'd shown yes. it at a show, a show in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, mm-hmm. and that gallery is called Holiday Forever. Holiday Forever, yes. What, uh, first of all, two questions. Yes. Number one, how did a show in Jackson Hole, Wyoming happen? <laughs> um, I mean, awesome. Just kind of, I was like, yeah. oh, wow, okay, that's a cool yeah, place yeah, to have yeah, a show. Yeah. And second, uh, what was it like doing a show with your boyfriend? Oh, it's fine. I mean, both of those. So uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Holiday Forever is a gallery run by the artist Andy Kincaid, who is... Thomas's uh, son. Yes, um, his beautiful <laughs> son. Um, no, he's he's lovely. He um, just reached... I just, I'm not sure how he originally saw my work, but he sent me an email through the email on my website and just cool. was like, I run this space. The whole um, thing like with, a dream, right? It's to amazing. Hear from like a totally just amazing stranger. He was like, like "Hey, by the way, I run this space. <laughs> what do you think? Do you want to come visit?" Um, but yeah, so the the whole thing he does occasionally he does group shows created by people. But they do but like he a, invites, they invite, and then you invite. Primarily, right? he invites an artist, and then you invite someone who will do a two person show with you. And then um, part of why he called it Holiday Forever is like you come the. The gallery is like a portion of the house that him and his partner live in. And um, you come and stay at his house and he like shows you Jackson. Like he went, it was amazing. He took us camping at like uh, the most beautiful place I've ever seen of like a valley by a river that's like, like surrounded by. Yeah, like a, exactly. Also like an outdoor boot camp. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. So we, we luckily, we, we kind of broke off and did some of our own hiking, Ben and I, and then we, yeah, this one night he took us camping and some other artists who had been there at a different residency were in town. And we kind of had this whole group of people and had a campfire and then walked up. There was a waterfall with a natural hot spring. And so like in the middle of the night, we like, crossed this freezing <laughs> river and then sat in a natural hot spring. It was just unreal. Um, 
but yeah, so yeah, he just reached out to me and That's then so Ben idyllic. and I went. I feel like I'd be a hundred times more excited if somebody asked me to be in like a show in Moab yeah, yeah. than <laughs> a show in Chelsea, yeah. to be quite honest. I mean, I've luckily, I mean, this show included, I've had a few opportunities. I also, earlier last year, was it last year? Yeah, I went to... Bogota, Colombia, to do a show at right, my friend's yeah. base, Miami. And it's just, I mean, that's sort of the dream, I think. <laughs> when I started making art and being like, do this career, what would I want out of it? And it's like, if I get to go travel to places and I get to go make work and show work and meet people, which yeah, so yeah. far I've been incredibly lucky to have these experiences. But yeah, it's amazing where I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Bogota. <laughs> How did I'm going to hang out. Did you feel obligated to invite Ben to be your other person? I did not feel kidding. obligated. <laughs> um, I was like, Baby. Who, by the way, is my, if anyone hasn't seen a picture of me or Ben Dowell, uh, we, are, <laughs> we are literally each other's stunt doubles to the point where it's like, <clears throat> I don't even know that it's not a running joke anymore. It's just kind of like I expect when someone comes up to me that I don't recognize that they think that they ben. think that I'm Ben. It happens constantly, <laughs> and because you guys are in the same circles, it's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. People come up and I like try and talk to him, and because like, we have really long eyelashes and really big eyebrows, big eyebrows and like big bright <laughs> eyes, and yeah, um, it happens all the time. Or people will be talking like they know one of you uh-huh. for a while, and then finally it shakes out that it's like not you, and then they're confused. When right? I saw you orgy park last time i was walking out and literally a guy just came up to me and i didn't even correct him you're just like i'm just like are you uh and i was like well ben's not here so ben leaving right now technically (laughs) makes sense and i was like that'll also be a funny thing to pass off to mcginty when the guy goes inside and it's like i just saw ben leaving yeah ben Ben left (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah so for the show i did not feel obligated but no he it, it was a while of conversation of um if we wanted to do that together, um, it was sort of, I mean, part of Holiday Forever is you're going sort of on this trip with someone. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was like, if you run the idea of like, who would you want to do a two person sure. show with? Yeah. There's, I can think of a lot of people that my work would be in conversation with that would be very interesting. But then, but then like, also, also, who you're do you like, want to go to Jacksonville, Wyoming? Spend with, a week. Yeah. yeah. And go camping. Um, but also, I mean, on top of that, Ben and I, he's the person I talk to about work the most we (laughs) we both are sort of incredibly obsessive workaholics we're in our studio constantly and we my studio's in our home so he's often coming through my studio and seeing what I'm working on and so our work is in conversation and we've had many people be like you guys should do a show together you guys work would look really great so we ran some other ideas of possible people and then find where like it makes sense we yeah, yeah. wanted to work together it will be fun it was amazing it's funny too because it doesn't seem um if i just looked at the work separately i wouldn't necessarily be like oh yeah for sure put these two together these but then the sense. documentation of the show it was like really fun because ben's work is so kind of like ben's work is so art material mm-hmm. so about art yeah, materials yeah, yeah. um if people don't know ben's work it's he's really i talked about it on i was Trying to like evangelize to Chloe Wise, remember I was because she was like, "Dudes always paint abstract." I was like, "You got to look at Ben's work, though." Like, yeah, you're like that these really, really, really thick uh, impasto. Is that the word? I think, I think? so. Yeah, yeah. it's like incredibly, think. incredibly thick just oil paint. Trowel, just layer. Just, yeah. yeah, and like the whole gallery smells like it and stuff. It and, smells like Lindsay oil, but it's yeah. really colorful and really weird on these raw canvases yeah. for the most part. Yeah, um, yeah. And then your work is really kind of like consumer materials and things like that put together in a different way. Yeah. And so there's a nice call and response, I think, there, yeah. especially between sculptural work that kind of has like a painterly eye and then Ben's paintings, which are extremely sculptural. Just yeah, they literally, are. Literally, physically, yeah. they're They heavy, are. Right? They're like, they are heavy. He was just, we were talking last <laughs> night about it. did you move those to Wyoming? <laughs> One of them we brought um, on the no. One of them was a piece that he had worked on for years. It was sort of one that he had always gone back to and kind of kept okay. adding, like as his palette changed, sort of like going into it. And it was really, it's it's an amazing one. It's like really gnarly and this sort of like <laughs> really muddy, deep mix of colors. But um, yeah, we brought it on the plane. It's so <laughs> nice. heavy. Wait. He also had these pieces that are cast checked it or carry on. Um, checked it. Okay. We though we he had these pieces that are cast. Um, I think it's zinc that that's cast that he pours into a mold of like cereal boxes and chips and we brought those carry-on because we're like there's no weight limit (laughs) they don't anywhere say oh yeah they say size but they don't say weight limit made these insane heavy solid solid metal and we got searched and we were kind of laughing we're like what does it look like on the x-ray and he's like it's just black it's just that's Uh why we're searching because we're like what is yeah yeah yeah. deep black um (laughs) but yeah i mean ben's work i think of it is sort of like 
in, in that idea, I think it's easy to talk about abstraction in like a bold way, like people paint yeah. abstraction, even though it means so many things. But his is very like the opposite of casual abstraction. Well, fuck ben. We're not here to talk about. No, ben. but I'm, I'm saying in my work also, it's like in the way it's like such a nice opposite because my work, I think, oftentimes can look like it takes two seconds and I just put stuff together because there is a lot of work that can look like that, but it like takes an insane <laughs> amount yeah, of time, yeah. a lot of like configuring, a lot of like slightly shifting and combining objects and finding like that right mix which yeah yeah um i guess that's a question too that i wanted to ask about is how do you do that material selection like do you have an eye uh what's the word that i'm looking for do you have have a running list of like gotta get these things i want to work with this stuff is it intuitive a mixture of both or do you i know that you have stuff that you've like returned to like humidifiers or Mm -hmm. other things like that and a lot of domestic objects but what what's the criteria for that selection because i feel like it could be kind of maddening it can be hard i mean i think i have sort of a um, a number of different ways that i work like i have i'm sort of i feel like at this point i've have like a sort of internalized language of like what fits in what I work with and a what doesn't. visual vocabulary. A visual vocabulary. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like I have this sort of, I've been working and I have like in my mind a very sort of clear idea of what works in it. Because you really can, it's very easy to not, I mean, I, it's very easy to take a couple things and put them together and look cool. People do that. And like advertising and window design, you could take oh, objects yeah. and make them look cool or weird. Yeah, yeah. And that's very, no, <laughs> it's easy to do. And so that's I... the joke I always make. Which I'm always, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which pains me. Um, I love writing scripts for sculptures on Twitter. It's like my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, it's easy and that is a way of working. But yeah, I have sort of like an internalized language. So I'm always kind of compiling, like when I'm out buying, being like, like the, I'm making a sculpture currently where I bought a trash can where I was like, it's so beautiful. Like this trash can yeah. is the most. So it'll be stuff like that where I'm seeing things that are just like that is an attractive object. And then there's also ones that are a little bit more like I have a concept for a sculpture and then I'll sort of source the things the and things make them like yeah. I have a series of works that are um, can coolers that are candles. So yeah, it's like yeah. a portable cooler that you put beer or whatever in, and um, they're filled with a good gel candle wax. It's sort of clear, but that was like, I had the idea of like a cooler candle, mm-hmm. and then I kind of had to work out. And you like, figure out the materials exactly. For it. Like, I like the idea though of you being like? in like a like a Bed Bath and Beyond <laughs> and seeing something, and you don't know what you're going to do with it, but you know that you have to because yeah. the object is I'm pretty like, attractive. I'm just, it's perfect. This is it. Yeah, which happens a lot. So it's a combination of sort of that of like having an idea, but then I'm constantly sort of, or if I'm feeling a little frustrated, like I, there's a Kmart somewhat close to my house and I'll just kind of go and like wander the oh, aisles yeah. of Kmart yeah, and see like a storage container that I think is really exciting. Get the blue light special. <laughs> well, a lot of the stuff too, and, uh, you know, we did, I mean, right for anybody who's listening, who's relatively new to this right off the bat, the first thing that I did for human, the object was we did a text-based interview. Um, mm-hmm. and I've been meaning to have you come by to chat for a little bit, but I don't imagine that everybody who listens to this has read that interview. And one of the things that we talked about in it was kind of how the objects that you make have, they have a seriousness, they have a comment on domesticity and kind of what I think is uh, probably gender roles. They also seem to speak to consumerism and kind of that mm-hmm. uh, paradox of both loving consumer objects and kind of yeah. hating that you love them. But they're also really funny. And there's something very comical about a lot of the things. And why is that? Is that something that kind of staves off the anxiety of, I think a lot about the anxiety of making something Mm -hmm. in the first place. And it's sort of humiliating to make things. I'm just wondering, is is the humor (laughs) like a coping mechanism or is it? Or does it just kind of come out naturally? Because I don't think I that think everything is supposed to be funny as a like thing. It's not like funny joke necessarily. Yeah. yeah, the work, I think in some ways where it is, it's definitely something that I, it seems that I can't avoid, that it's just a way of making in a way that I um, respond to materials and sort of subject matter in a way that I'm sort of like filtering it. But also in a way where I think when you have, I think we've talked we've talked about this many times of the idea of when you have humor in something, it's sort of, an inn where people can see something and think it's a little funny or see it be, I like to make work that's taking found objects, but altering them at very little, like not usually painting, not changing the scale, like not altering the objects, but sort of altering your perception of them by combining them with other things. So you see something that's easily recognizable, but then there's something that's off about it or something that you see like, 
piece I have in the show where it's a book and you're like, oh, a book's sitting on top of something and then you realize the cover is not quite right and then you spend a little bit more time and I think it's a way that people can kind of see stuff and kind of jump towards a piece and recognize it and then it allows them to maybe spend a little bit more time with it as they kind of like see it and then start breaking down the components that it... um, that's where I think in some ways the seriousness kind of like starts coming through. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, there's a couple of different entry points. There's both the thing that oftentimes the work is sort of like funny looking um, or something's <laughs> a little bit off about it, but the recognizable objects has an entry point for somebody who's maybe not necessarily an art audience member to say, mm-hmm. oh, I recognize that material. And while some people might be like, well, fuck this person yeah, for just yeah. taking this thing and doing something to it. It's like, still, yeah, but I mean, to have somebody ask, how is this art is mm-hmm. probably a more valuable uh, experience for a viewer than having yeah. somebody just be like, okay, I mean, I guess that's a clay thing. It's supposed and to walk be away important. Or something. Like, yeah. I'd rather have somebody um, sort of be suspicious of a, a work and kind of interrogate yeah. that, even if they come to the conclusion that they think the work's full of shit, that's probably yeah. a better response like, from a viewer than somebody just being like okay well i take the time to come to a conclusion it was like amazing <laughs> yeah. did you i mean that makes me I, think about um, audience and when people come and look at the things and maybe specifically about was the audience in jackson hole was that a was it a pretty art audience or was it, it a was, i mean it's a weird city it's a cool town it's a very touristy town and it's a very um it's like rich people rich go there. people town. There, like we saw several Teslas <laughs> parked okay. like on the street by the Starbucks, which is crazy. Um, yeah, it's a touristy town. People go ski. It's a expensive town. Um, but there is like a scene of people. We met like a bunch of younger. I, I think we sort of met like the art scene of people. And Andy is one of them. He's an artist, and he has some friends that are also like really interesting artists. And so there was, it was like a pretty art team. And it was also during the time that there was like an art walk sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there was like pretty much a lot of people out kind of going to different galleries. So, but yeah, I think um, I definitely am interested. I think it's also, I studied art history for my, I have a BA in art mm-hmm. history. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's definitely sort of, I'm, I feel like when I, I was studying art history, I think that that was sort of the path that I wanted to go and then came across I think everyone has that moment of seeing art where you're like, oh, this, I get it, and I could make it. And I was definitely interested in work that was, like, felt, like, not high art or that sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, like, and I like that idea of, like, where people can kind of get into something because of objects that are familiar and then sort of spend time and sort of kind of unravel. And it's something that's not so, like, I mean, I love, love painting, but some people depending on the situation can feel more comfortable with painting and some people can be off put by it and i like those sort of barriers or pathways around like how people can be with art um i want to introduce a a new segment to the show here Ooh. with mcginty um we're gonna play a we're gonna play a little game here it's called canonization or erasure oh god um and so you're going to approve or disapprove no, of the shine. following 20 declarations <laughs> uh your responses no. will be recorded as canon oh, and any existing wikipedia information that currently uh is out there about you or will exist at a future date so will I'm henceforth if... reflect your position stated okay for the rest of my life so this is a about me you approve or disapprove of these statements i'm like yes no however okay. you'd like to take that approve or disapprove okay uh sculpture has gone too far oh um a, di- a, a, a disapprove one of my mm-hmm. yeah okay no uh cooking at home is a valid form of political protest <laughs> no <laughs> uh sex is always a form of concrete poetry okay. <laughs> that's that's another no uh <laughs> The baby boomers are the worst generation in all of American history. Oh, yeah. My parents are baby boomers, but yeah, thanks. Uh, the Apollo program was a hoax. <laughs> Where is this going, Sean? The moon oh, I was going to say, this is where my public education in Florida comes not, in. Not the um, programming. I saw a documentary on YouTube that was really convincing <laughs> that it could have so. been a hoax. So I'm, I'm on the edge of that one. Okay. Um, uh, Blue Lives Matter. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, when considered within the context of the time when they were first introduced mm. to a broader public, Sublime were an important band. <laughs> 
Um, I, don't, I still don't think they're an important band, but they do have, coming from Florida, I feel like any beachy town you um, have an affinity for. I have a nostalgic affinity for the existence of Sublime, but I don't think that they are specifically important. Why does no one talk about the fact that Brad Noel from Sublime's name rhymes with Brad Trammell? I think it's finally, you're you're brave enough to speak I'm about this, and I think that that's silence. really important. Uh, political art can change hearts and minds. <laughs> doing this to each other. I'm trying out a new segment um, and we I, know each other so yes, I thought this would be a good is, time. It is. I'm the guinea pig. Um, it can change. I'm sure I think art can experience with art can change hearts and minds. Okay. I don't think that yeah. Uh, the art market is not actually as opaque as some people argue that it is on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Agree I, or disagree? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Is it? Is it? It depends. Like on which arguments on Twitter, I guess. Okay. Um, where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner? I shall bring forth the Come seeds on. of the dead to share with the worms that gather in the darkness and surround the world with the power of their lives. While from the dim lit halls of other places, forms that never were and never could be writhe for the impatience of the few who never saw what could have been. Sean. <laughs> It's from a movie that's coming out today. What's coming out today? Annihilation. Oh, I, uh, yeah. Very, um, you should, you're from Florida. You should read the Southern Reach trilogy. It's okay. um, Jeffrey Vandermeer, and it's uh, all based on mm. part of North Florida, mm. which is very sort right. of conceptually based on it. Uh. But uh, approve or disapprove of that um, That is erasure, okay. for sure. Um, uh, art blogs are important. <laughs> I think the humor and the abject art blog is okay. very important to me personally. Um, okay, Rick Gates, a top Trump campaign aide who was indicted by the Russia Special Counsel, is expected to plead guilty, a sign that he's cooperating. Wait, am I saying Do, it's do a approve sign? or disapprove of this statement? Do you agree with it? That I agree that him... Is it a sign that he's cooperating? With the investigation? With the Russia special investigation. Oh, that he's... Wait, sorry. I lost Rick, you halfway Rick through. Gates, a top Trump campaign aide who is indicted by the Russia special counsel, is expected to plead guilty. Mm-hmm. A sign he's cooperating. Yeah, right? Okay. Is that what he's saying? <clears throat> uh, sculpture has not gone far enough. <laughs> also, no. Okay. Uh, Ridgewood is part of Brooklyn. <laughs> This is where we're getting like, we're gonna have flame wire here. Um, it used to be, and now currently it's a part of Queen. Okay. Uh, sculpture is the easiest form of art. <laughs> yes, obviously. That's why I choose it. Uh, clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. I mean, yeah, obviously. Graphic design is a fool's game. <laughs> no, I kind of wish that I actually studied graphic design. Maybe I'd make money. <laughs> Uh, it would be cool to have a band where there are three bass players mm-hmm, and the yes. drummer only plays a bass drum and a floor tom and the band is called The History of Bass. Hard yes. Okay. Uh, everyone should bank with Bank of Ages. <laughs> is this where we go into an ad? It's <laughs> a plug. This podcast is sculpture. Um, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Sculpture is uh, the catch-all. All right. We're going to take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors, see if you can guess who it's going to be. <laughs> Uh, And I'll be right back with more Andrea McGinty. You are a creative. You are no slouch. You have refined tastes. You are a New Yorker. You take your martinis extra dirty. And you take your bass extra slapped. So, why would you accept anything less when it comes to your bank? At Bank of Ages, not only is your money safe in a shoebox underneath Sean's bed, you can rest easy knowing that it's the simplest route to fiscal responsibility. No more draining your account at the ATM when you want to buy Coke at 3 in the morning. Because you won't have access to your account at 3 in the morning. Sean will be asleep and you won't be able to get in touch with him. That's right. You'll only be able to take out money when Sean is awake, at home, and not cooking dinner or watching a Netflix original series. With this convenient feature, you'll see your account remain stable. And even grow, provided that you manage to catch him when he's available to make a deposit. Using a normal bank is for capitalist pigs and neoliberal shills. And don't even get me started on the ultimate scam. The credit union. Have you ever even been to a credit union? 
They are like the TJ Maxx of banking. I'd rather get my own ass handed to me by a bunch of dick-worshipping scorpions than set foot in some diet, caffeine-free junior varsity excuse for a bank like a credit union. Catch my drift, my good bitch? There's the slap of basis. And then there's the bank of ages. It's like having sex at a bank. But better. Okay, welcome back, everybody. It's uh, wonderful to be here. If you're just tuning in, that doesn't make any fucking sense. It's a podcast. <laughs> if you paused, you if took you, a break. If you skipped ahead and didn't read the title of the episode, any of the description, <laughs> I'm here with artist Andrea McGinty. Hello. Uh, Andrea, you have done some curatorial work, mm-hmm. both through exhibitions like Spring Break, uh, did some shows there, and also various video screenings. And I'm curious what motivates you to want to take that role on mm-hmm. because i think sometimes it sounds really fun because you're like oh, i mm-hmm. want to create the context or something but it's a lot of work it is a lot of work why it's a lot do of you, emailing why do you want to do that um i think i am surround i most of my friends are artists i'm around artists all the time and looking at work and um i think it's a really productive way of thinking about my own work is sort of looking at other work that I think is in conversation with my work or that is doing something uh, drastically different than what I'm doing. It's sort of, in a way, an extension of the ideas that I'm thinking through. And So it's selfish. It is, I mean, <laughs> entirely. There's no way that I'd be able to do it if it wasn't because it's <laughs> so much work. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's ways of sort of like where people are thinking about things and I'm thinking about solving problems in different ways. And I think it's always very productive to sort of look through other people's work and the way people are working and to help uh, form your own or expand your own ideas. But um, yeah, and then I'm just constant. I have friends who are artists. I'm looking at art people I don't know and get excited about other people's work and um, see pairings of things or be like, these people should be talking to each other. Their work should be talking to each other. And that happens all of the time with friends, with going to shows. And um, yeah, it's just something where it's like I get excited about looking at work and that's kind of a fun <clears throat> and uh optimistic way to operate as an artist yeah. whereas most, you know other people <laughs> you know, really i think a lot of people are kind of tooth and nail about yeah. stuff and just sort of if somebody else is interesting it's basically like well fuck that person yeah versus i think it's really easy to <laughs> fall into that and everyone does i mean it's hard it's a hard thing to continue making work and showing there's so many artists I, everywhere in new york you're like every, you're surrounded by artists all the time and people are vying for the same very small amount of spots. And I feel like there's sort of, especially in New York, everything's so decentralized now. It's really hard to have. You're not like, I don't know, everyone likes the 70s and everyone went to the bar mm-hmm. and they all just met up with each other and talked and that happens. Let's start telling people that uh, <laughs> L.A. is, the nice thing about L.A. is that everything's really centralized. Everything's and, so and close, New York, you just walk. Yeah, and New York is very decentralized now. <laughs> you just walk to everywhere, everyone's there. Yeah, no, everyone but it's something, walks yeah, in L.A. Everyone walks everywhere. Um, but no, I mean, it's a way, I think if I didn't have other people whose work I was excited by and other people who I can have a conversation with about ideas, I would go crazy. It's really easy to fall into the negative spiral and the sort of jealousy spiral. And I do totally fall into those. Definitely. Yeah, Everyone does. does. But yeah. Or when I you think... see a show where you're just like, well, who didn't invite me? Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> where it's like, this show is about domesticism. This like, show is exactly it. about my interests. This is your artist <laughs> statement. Um, but yeah, no, I think I would just go crazy if I wasn't. Yeah. I have, if I didn't have the community that I have. And I think it's hard to... It's not the thing where you're like, everyone goes to this bar and we're all chatting. And a lot of my socializing is going to people's openings, and which are great. You see friends and you can check in, but you're not necessarily having those like deeper conversations about ideas because it's not really the setting for that. You're like quickly saying hellos. And um, an art gallery is definitely not the setting. <laughs> <laughs> Especially at the opening. I mean, you're like yeah. grabbing a drink and not wanting to hold anyone for too long because they're trying to say hellos. And, well, that's why which like is it, valuable also. That's but, why I in, invented a thing where I sit down and talk to people every single week. I didn't invent the thing, but I mean, make, that's why yeah. I made something <laughs> that's where I created I get to, podcasts. That's why I invented uh, the podcast. Yeah, also, the, uh, I would like to argue that, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, yeah. um, the answer 
maybe isn't arming the teachers, but arming <laughs> the podcasters. I think it it's be, about time. I should have a weapon. I would feel safer if, if I had, you a, had weapon a weapon here. <laughs> You're pointing a gun at me while we were speaking. I would feel more comfortable. Um, uh, but yeah, so curating is a way where I like can have those sort of, I can start developing. And then when you're working with people, it's a lot of back and forth. But it is really fun to talk to people about, like get excited about ideas and to sure. be optim- to be excited to see work. And it's, yeah. yeah, you have to keep them because otherwise I think I, at least I would go crazy. And curating relates a lot to the same concepts around cooking or domesticity and Mm -hmm. basically i mean at the you know really curating is kind of this is the stuff i'd like to see in a room this is the room that i want to spend this is what i want to be around these things yeah yeah i want to turn around and see that and then have it be like uh, opposite from yeah yeah i want to be in the environment where these things happen at the same time and in ways it's also a great with anything that's sort of like i think practice adjacent that isn't directly your work there's so much of like the pressure and anxiety and working through something and i think anything that like keeps me close to work but is also sort of separate is a great way of like curating a show and figuring out what works to show and what where to put things and how they're in conversation is like a great practice for then when I have a show and I'm doing that with my own work and I like can't yeah. even see the work because I've been in the studio with it for months and I like hate it all and yeah, if you're <laughs> but trying you're... to get to an idea or address yeah. something and maybe you're hitting a wall with your own yeah. work it's kind of like if you if you write music and you have your go-to instrument that you use all the time, but you can kind of play another one. Yeah. Occasionally, it's interesting to you try break to it up a make up melodies on yeah. something else because you just discover different things, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, that's yeah, that's where I was trying to get, and I wouldn't have found that in if my like regular pattern." Yeah, yeah. So it's a great way. It's like you are excited about other people's work. You yeah. don't have those sort of issues with it with your own. You want to see it, and you're like excited to put together, yeah. and you're willing to play in a way that's different and can be really productive. So if you're in art college right now. Uh, first of all, what the fuck are you doing with your life? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, if you are in, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was cool. I wonder if that what picked that? that up. It's a Google Calendar reminder oh, that great. I uh, turned. You... I allowed this morning for mm-hmm. my Google Calendar reminders to pop up on my desktop, and then as soon as I did it, I thought, well, I know I have one that's at twelve thirty, so I know at twelve twenty <laughs> it's going to pop up, and I wonder if it'll pick it up in the podcast. I don't, well, whatever. let's see. We'll find um, out. But. What I mean to say is that if, yeah, if you are in school and things like that, have that attitude instead of trying to be all like shitty about who's going to have the best this or that. Because yeah, then especially you... in school, because that, most of that work you're making, you're not going to even want to, I mean, it'll lead to what you're making in larger ways. And I mean, I'm constantly looking back and being like, oh, that seemed silly. And now two years later, it seems to make sense to what yeah. I'm doing now, but also like the physical work. You're not, it's not about like, I don't think we exist in the world where you're like, getting your gallery show from your mm, open studios and not. yeah so it's i think it's like being able to unless be. you go to the yale painting mfa program Ooh. in which case i understand one of you one. will get a yeah. show and everyone one of you will get feel a show shitty about and everybody it. else is going to feel <laughs> shitty about it yeah so um you know what are you watching what am on I television watching? these days oh gosh we're, we're both between, tv junkies we are. i like to know what you're watching i haven't seen the waco show yet and it's making me crazy i know i have to i kind of want to wait Kitch. and then yeah i want it all to you be out i, I can't do the i want to do it all at once i can't do a week at a time i'm sorry i want to do it all at once i am that it stresses me out that i've been seeing it yet i've been continuously for all of my i've been re-watching Grey's anatomy which is so embarrassing okay. but i've which i've seen a million times um I haven't. We're in between shows now, though, hmm. which is a weird. What did you finish recently? When did we finish recently? We kind of. Oh God, what were we watching? You told me to watch Wormwood. Oh yeah, we watched Wormwood. We kind of powered through a bunch of. Oh, we watched the um, Unabomber show that yeah. you and I <laughs> that you brought back up. We were watching it, and then we were like, I don't know about because the main actor is like a little bit Water. hard. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. Water. Water. Um, he's a little bit uncompelling at first. And so yeah. him being the main character is a little bit hard to swallow. But yeah. once we power through, the actual Unabomber once actor they bring is in great. Kaczynski and stuff, He's great. Yeah. yeah, they should have had him kind of earlier. I think the larger things about the show. That guy's story isn't that compelling, but mm-hmm. all the satellite things kind of yeah. around that are very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like the main guy is Chris a Noth bit is cool in it. Mr. Which Big. One's Chris Noth? Mr. Big from oh, Sex yeah, yeah, and the yeah, City. Yeah. He's like his director. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, he's he's a hard ass. Yeah, he's a real hard ass. Yeah, we watched that one. Wormwood is great. Did I'm you, you about watch? halfway through. It's good. Yeah. It's just so, it's so like 
slow, not in a boring way, like just the way it's like shot and constructed where so much is going on, but it's like very, it feels so calm and very evenly paced. Well, it's set up in the same way that good, uh, like true crime podcasts are because you find out, they don't try to hold out on you what actually happened. You get the story relatively quickly up front, but then everything kind of unfolds on the Yeah, it's like people have heard of the cases. I am, speaking of podcasts, I feel like I guess I've been doing more listening. True Crime Brewery, I've been listening to. True Crime Brewery. Which sounds crazy, but it's this couple... it's like a married couple that are like in the same way. It's like they're very calm the way they talk about it. It's very calm and they know each other and they're kind of quippy. And that husband is a pediatric doctor, so he can kind of say doctory things during mm, it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've just been going through. But it's in the same way. I think it's that one's nice because it's like they're very they have nice voices. It's yeah. nice to listen to. They're very calm. Why is it called brewery? Because he in the beginning talks about like He's the whole hammered. like pair yeah, they're shit face. Um, <laughs> and being super disrespectful it's to actually, the victims of it's the crime. Disgusting. I love it. Um no, he like depending on where the crime was, he picks a beer. Oh. And he, he likes craft beer and so he mm, reviews a beer. I bet he so, fucking does. Yeah. yeah. Man. I don't Which know. is hard because it also makes me want to drink a beer every time. I yeah, I like. Man, I like. Uh, I I do like the taste of good beer, but I hate. It's kind of like I like riding my bike, mm-hmm. but I hate bike culture. Yeah, no, Does that totally. Make sense? Oh my god, I lived in Philadelphia. I understand yeah. hating bike culture. I was, you know, I drank the Kool Aid for a while, but then mm-hmm. I kind of got turned off from it. But uh, the same thing with b- beer and biking. I yeah, think living in get Portland, really... both of those things. Yeah. At a certain point, I was just like, I don't want a beer flight. I don't, I don't want to yeah. drink 12 weird little fucking yeah. three ounce pours of some like your raspberry shithouse ale or yeah. whatever it is. Like I don't care. Well, we usually, we love, we drink Coors Light at home usually, but recently. Not the original? Not the light. We, yeah. <laughs> we prefer the light with the mountains. Um, but this bodega by a house, there's like the son of the guy who owns it works there. And for some reason he gives me... Um, like any, I, all the IPAs, he gives me like two or three dollars cheaper than nice. for everyone. So I've just been like out of this sort of like, it's such a deal buying mm-hmm. IPAs more mm-hmm. frequently than I ever do. But um, yeah, but then Ben gets the course like because he gets the normal person he likes <laughs> IPA it, <yeah>. price. <laughs> he's a, he, oh yeah. he's. A, I'm for some reason, like specifically, it's not like Ben and I get a good deal on it. Like I get like the cheap IPA price because the son likes me. <laughs> Okay, McGinty, we're getting towards the end here, but before we go, uh, besides the show Essex Flowers that mm. people should check out and possibly, depending on what the format of Nada is, with the yard sale or port sale kind of thing, what else is coming up that you've got going on that we should know about? So I have a show that's a group show that I'm going to be in that opens um, the weekend of the fairs. It opens that Saturday, which I think is the 10th. The 10th? The 10th. Um, that is... Curated by a friend of mine who is a really lovely painter, Clark Filio, um, but he's curating it as part of this curatorial project called Museum Gallery, which I've realized is impossible to Google. (laughs) I tried tried, like every combination to try and find. I ended up finding it through just mutual friends. But um, yeah, so he's curating a group show that I'm going to have a piece in and that opens on that Saturday. It's going to be it's I have to look up the address, but it's off. It's like a pop up sort of thing. So it's not like a specific gallery space, but it's like off the Jefferson L stop. The address is 45 Stewart Avenue in Bushwick. Mm, Jefftown. Yeah, and it's got a really lovely group of artists I'm excited about. Um, that's on the 10th? That's on the 10th, the Saturday. Um, earlier in the day. In town. Earlier in the day, go by Nada and come to the live Human the yes, Object podcast yeah. with a guest who will be announced soon. I am. But uh, yeah, then afterwards, that. that's great. That's right by my house. I Perfect. love yeah. an event right by my house. I mean, it's love to go ideal. to an event by my house. Yeah. Yeah, it's ideal. <laughs> There's not many that are very close to my house, but um, Kimberly Clark, who is a gallery of people that I love very much, um, are within walking distance of my house. So when they have an event, I'm very excited about it because mm-hmm. I can walk home. But um, yeah, so that show is opening that Saturday. I'm really excited about that. Um, and then I have a few things that aren't quite ironed out. I, But again, with things, which is amazing, um, of getting to travel, I might be going to Denmark. <laughs> Denmark? <laughs> for a, a group show in um, the end of March. I'm still kind of figuring out the details for that. And then possibly doing a two-person show 
with my friend Allison Wade, who's a really oh, lovely yeah. artist. You know Allison. Know Allison yeah. um, we might be going to Helsinki Ooh. this in sometime summer. We're still figuring out the details. My friend uh, Suvi Lettinen, who's a curator who works at the University of the Arts there. Wow, Euro trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Euro trip. Euro trip. That sounds cool um, as hell. Yeah, so those ones are still like unconfirmed dates as things usually are, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But the wheels are turning. The wheels are turning. We have many emails. Perhaps we'll, uh, you know, I look at the metrics on this. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what the listenership in Helsinki is like we'll off see. the top of my head. That's probably way at the bottom. The ones I don't look at where it's like, you know, like, um, you had three listens over the lifetime of this <laughs> podcast. From this thing. Like, well, maybe it'll just shoot right up. Yeah, it could. This. You yeah. got to go over there and maybe I'll make you a tote bag. With yeah. The, uh, oh, yeah. You know, I love a tote. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. Um, well, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you for having doing me. doing this episode. And good luck at your opening tonight. Thank Again, you. I want to stress that you might want to keep in the back of your mind that there are so many things that could happen I'm at the opening or I'm, afterwards. I'm nervous. I'm excited. It could be a crime. I mean, I could commit a crime. You could commit a crime. It could happen. I've been listening to a lot of true crime podcasts. I'm ready to murder. Ready to murder. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) You should murder someone from Essex Flowers tonight. I mean, yeah. If anyone is listening. There's a lot of them. Oh, you could do like a a murder dinner theater kind of thing. But not not let anybody else in on it. Just (laughs) Just murder someone and then have dinner. (laughs) Kill one of the people from Essex Flowers. Go have dinner. Go like dumplings. Leave it it to them to sort out. Yeah. See what happens. Figure out who did it, and they're like, Andrew, you did it. You no, murdered be like, someone. I did not, and you need to find clues. I was at dinner like, the whole I time. Left, yeah, I left clues everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we will catch you next week. Love it.